Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of the Personal Protection Academy podcast. My name is DeAndre McKinnon. I am the Chief Instructor of Personal Protection Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. And today I want to talk to you about never really being truly unarmed. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in Chicago. Of course, we got to talk about the ATF pistol brace ban, concealed carry insurance. Let's get started. All right, so in the news, uh, there's two different items I want to talk to you about. This first one being the ATF pistol brace ban. So if you're unaware, the final day to actually register your pistol brace has come and gone. And at this point, you are non-compliant if you haven't registered already. But there is some some different interesting uh, topics that came up within this uh, subject. The first one being is that only 1% of the U.S. population actually participated in registering their pistol brace. The other being that the Fifth Circuit judge actually ruled in favor of of pistol brace owners in that um, if you are a member of Gun Owners of America and the Firearms Policy Coalition, you are exempt from the pistol brace um, registration. Okay? And it doesn't really matter whether or not um, you are a member before the decision was handed down or you're a member now. You can sign up today and still be covered. And membership is pretty cheap. So do with that as you will. But it seems as though the pistol brace issue for now is looking pretty good for us. Um, I did have a question about the NRA. Where were they doing this whole thing and why they why did they jump in so late? But that's a different time, a different story. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, excuse me, is the um, situation in Chicago. And the situation being, uh, there was a mother and son. And uh, they went to pick up some food at a restaurant. The mother got out of the car to go into the restaurant to pick up the food. The son stayed in the car. Why the mother was... Inside the restaurant, she got into a verbal altercation with uh, another man, with a man in the restaurant, in which the outcome of that altercation was the man hit the mother in the face. Um, Upon seeing the altercation take place, the son got out of the car and proceeded to shoot the attacker. The attacker was wounded, and he ran out the door into the parking lot. And once he ran out the door, the mother instructed the son, who still had the gun at the time, to find him and finish it, pretty much, right? 
in which the son actually found the attacker in the parking from the parking lot and shot him twice and the attacker died. Okay. There are some other things that's happening in between that, some some conflicting reports. One of them one of the reports stated that the mom texts the son to come inside um to to check on her. <clears throat> the other one is um she told him to go back into the car and he didn't obey. The other there's another report where the mom actually told him after shooting the attacker out in the parking lot, she told the son to go back into the restaurant and shoot one of the other patrons that was laughing at her getting hit in the face. Again, conflicting information. I'm just going to deal with the basics of the case. Um, again, I'm not a lawyer. However, I feel as though the son was absolutely correct in his actions up until he followed his mother's directions to go find that guy and shoot him in the parking lot. And I say that because it's at that point when he went into the parking lot to shoot the guy after he's already shot him once. It's at that point that it changed from self-defense to excessive force and pretty much murder. Um, apparently, they dropped all the charges on the mother and son. I really don't understand how that happened. I'm happy that they dropped the charges, but I don't want people to get the wrong idea that you can actually walk up to somebody, stand over them, and shoot them after they're no longer a threat. Um, because I feel like that's going to get a lot of people in a lot of jail time because that is not the usual outcome for something like this. right? Um, cases that came before this didn't rule in, in the favor of the person who was within trying to trying to uh defend themselves. Cases like um people versus riddle um in which you know this one was a guy who continued continued to beat a victim after he was no longer a threat, and the ruling was that it was excessive force. All right, and there's there's a few other cases out there like that. State versus Williams, where uh, a man who was shot and killed two unarmed people who were fleeing his property was justified in doing so. They're trying to figure out whether that was justified, and the court decided that. No, that was excessive force because they were no longer a threat to him or his property. So look those cases up. Don't get caught up there doing something silly. And today I just want to talk to you about the concept of always being armed. So the reason why I want to talk about always being armed is that recently I had to travel uh, to California and in my travels, as many of you may be aware of, California gun laws are some of the strictest in the country. So 
With that being said, I can't actually take my gun with me everywhere I go, but I can always be armed in one form or another. So being armed can come in many different parts, right? First of all, mentally armed. What does that mean? Mentally armed means that you are aware of your abilities, you're aware of your limitations, and you are aware of your surroundings. And a part of being aware of your surroundings are knowing the local laws, um, being able to read the room, so to speak, in terms of your area that you're in, right? So this is gonna help your awareness. This is gonna help you tune in that spidey sense right, of what's normal. I was remarking to a friend today that I was down by the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And while I was there, nobody offered me a tour. Nobody offered me a map. Nobody offered me tickets to attractions. Now, the average person, they think, well, what's wrong with me, right? In my mind, that allows me, that shows me that I'm blended into the local environment, right? They don't see me as a tourist. I'm not walking around with a selfie stick and unaware of my surroundings. And while I am looking at certain uh, attractions around, I am not totally fixated on it, if that makes sense. And that makes me look less of a target. Okay, so in in, this, in a sense, I was a gray man, or I looked like a local. So I was kind of happy about that. Nobody offered me anything. Also, uh, in a physical sense of being armed, I have had some martial arts training, and I do practice with a uh, arnie stick or a knife or a uh, pin, or just taking household items and figuring out how I can def defend myself with it, okay? So no, I'm not carrying an Arnie stick in my bag. Um, but there are enough selfie sticks, there are enough wood sticks on tables from vendors. Um, there's many things that I can use as a blunt object to uh, help defend myself. The other thing is, I also carry a steel pin. Nothing that's or off Amazon as a defensive pin, nothing like that. That's too easy to detect as a defensive weapon. I'll never get that through the airport. Well, some people do, but I don't. Um, this is a zebra pin. It's called it's made by zebra. It is a steel pin that you know I still can put in someone's eye or throat or anything like that if I had to. And that's usually clipped to either my shirt or my pants pocket for easy use. I also carry a concealed carry belt made by Bigfoot. This belt actually has a metal insert in it. And while it's used primarily to help keep your gun steady on your hip, I found out through trial and error if I was to hit something with it, it stings a lot, worse than a regular belt. 
So I have that. <clears throat> In addition to it, you can do things like um, carry a handkerchief or a bandana. And in that bandana, you can put, like I carry quite a bit of keys. You can put your keys inside that bandana and swing it like a bolo, right? Bolo is a flexible object that has something blunt on the end. Um, prisoners put soap and socks, uh, like a bar of soap and socks. And you can hit somebody with that. Um, in my case, I was using keys. You can use a, um, what am I trying to think of? Um, a padlock, right? A padlock is not something that inherently looks dangerously, dangerous. But if you put that padlock in a bandana and swing it, it becomes a pretty decent weapon. So yeah, so uh, I've, there, these are some of the things you can think of that you can use to defend yourself. So being aware of your surroundings, keeping up with your fitness, and understanding how, just the basics of how weapons work. So that means is it a blunt object, is it a stabbing object? These things will help you get away from a situation. Now, some of you are saying, that's not gonna help against a gun. And you are 100% correct, but, if you were to time these things right, you wait on an opportunity before you strike, it may give you an opportunity to get off the X or get out of the area, right? So of course, if somebody pulls a gun, I'm not gonna take my belt off and hit him with it right there. You have to wait until the time is right, right? I'm not gonna hit him with that padlock as soon as we pull a gun, no. You wait until they get closer to you, till they're within striking distance, or they're not particularly paying attention, and you strike and you make your exit. That is what I mean by always being armed. I hope you got something out of that. All right, so today I want to talk to you about concealed carry insurance. What is it? And should you have it? Right. Um, there are a few different companies out there that actually uh, offer concealed carry insurance. And basically, it is a liability insurance, right? So you can't just go out and just shoot somebody and just wait for your lawyers to show up. Mm -mm. Because if you're guilty, you're going to jail and you're going to have to pay a hefty fee and lawyer fees. What it is, is if you have to do a self-defense shooting, they have different um, different they have different features to each type of insurance and every insurance company is a little bit different some insurance companies will cover your legal expenses from the moment that you call them right others will actually cover your legal expenses after the trial, so it's a reimbursement. They also cover, you know, uh, getting your gun back to you or giving you money for a new gun. Uh, things like if you leave your gun in an unsafe area and your child gets a hold to it and they hurt themselves, they would, you know, go to bat for you on that as well. Some of them. 
it's like any other insurance, right? So you, it's like you don't really want to get insurance because you feel like you're paying for nothing. But if you need it, it's there for you. So just like your car insurance, the only reason why people are getting car insurance is because the law requires it, right? Because most people don't feel like they're going to need it until they actually do, right? Other insurance companies cover your bail. Um, some companies actually cover your lost wages in case, you know, you have to be put in jail until the court date. So is it a good idea? In theory, yes, it is a good idea. Because, you know, you could do just about everything right and still end up in jail or being sued civil, uh, civilly. And, uh, you can end up in jail or you have a, a civil lawsuit. So um, I tell my students to at least think about it. If you're going to carry around every day, you want to at least think about it. I am against mandating insurance. Not in theory, but in practice. And the reason why I say that is because if the government comes in and says you have to have insurance to carry a gun, if the government at that time is to a friendly, the insurance could be... Uh, at a lower cost, right? But if the government is not too way friendly and insurance companies get greedy, they're going to raise up the cost of the insurance because they know you have to have it. And so what happens then is somebody who does not have a lot of money, they won't buy the gun or the insurance because they can't afford it. And then now they're out of protection. So and it's the same thing with mandated training um, because they can throw that on there as well, right? They can say in order for you to actually get insurance, we're going to have to mandate so many hours of training. Some states already do. And in theory, you know, you want people to get trained because you don't want people to make dumb mistakes, right? But again, if your local government is not too a friendly, they can hike up the cost of the training, number of hours, you know, you're going to miss work. And then again, people who can't afford to miss work or can't pay for the training. Now they don't, they can't afford to protect themselves. So if we circle back around to insurance, the top insurance players right now, and like I said, they all have different features, but you have uh, the USCCA insurance and membership. You have uh, right to bear arms. You have a CCW safe, which is concealed carry weapon safe. That's another company. U.S. Law Shield. And second call defense. And each one of these, like I said, they, they vary in price and they vary, vary in features. So let me let me just look at one and I'll. Uh, Read off some of the things. Uh, right to bear. 
Right to, bar, right to Bear has unlimited civil and criminal defense, psychological support. So I guess you get to sit with psychologists, psychologists and whatnot. Um, you get support with expert witness coverage. So if you need to bring in a firearms expert to your court case, they can help provide it for you. They also give you firearm and self-defense training and education. I'm guessing that it's in the form of, um, you know, electronic, you know, watching videos or something. I might be wrong. Um, you get a newsletter and then you get some discounts to industry partners. And according to this website I'm looking at, it's $11 a month. All right. Um, another one is, what's the other one here? CCW Safe. CCW Safe says that it actually has no limits on criminal and civil defense costs. Um, and then there's different plans based on the customer. So whether you're a concealed carrier or you want to care if you want to cover your yourself and your spouse or if you are military and law enforcement okay and that one is running about $19 a month and they also offer bail money and lost wages okay US law shield um They have no limit on their civil and criminal defense coverage. Uh, so, and it's not a reimbursement situation. So that is a, another one. This one's like $10 a month and it's a U.S. and tax law shield. Yeah, second call defense. They are saying that again, this one has no upfront costs. Your attorney fees are covered and you don't have to work on reimbursement. And this one is $10 a month. So it's not very expensive, but it's still a certain amount of money you wanna pay every month. Now, you might psychologically feel better about doing it this way. And I'm not going to say that it's all on the up and up. Just like any other insurance, there are loopholes. Um, and, the, and to find the loopholes, you have to read the fine print. But what I'm saying is, here's another option to protect yourself. Because once, you're, once that bullet leaves your gun, you're responsible for it, right? So you have to survive the gunfight. Then you have to secure your freedom, right? You make sure you, get, you secure your freedom in that battle, meaning that you're not going to jail. Now you have to secure your your money in civil court. So, you know, in addition to all the gun safety rules, you have to follow the rules of engagement from citizen to citizen. And um, then you have to deal with, you know, the legal side of things. So I just want to put that out there for all my students. Uh, think about it, look into it and um, see you on the other side.
right, so that'll do it for today's episode. Again, we can be found on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, um, YouTube, and Facebook and Instagram. So, when you get a chance, stop by, take a look at the information I provide, and if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, just leave information there. Or you can go to the website at, I'm sorry, personalprotection-academy.com. And um, we'll get those questions answered for you. If you'd like to take a class, you're here in Atlanta, Georgia, just reach out and get that done for you. We do private classes as well as, um, you know, general public classes. So with that being said, hope you enjoyed the show. I'm out.